I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh, Tony, baby. You're a mess. Thank Grimes, it's Tuesday. It's time for Trend Lightly. Are you ready? The trending news podcast for anyone who is literally not an absolute virgin. (laughs) Extremely online. Extremely clueless. Horny for Bitcoin. Oh, baby. You're in the right place. Now it's time to meet your host, the Irish-American Tornado and the real Princess of Wales. We are back. Molly McAleer and Tiffany Maddox. Welcome back to Trend Lightly, everyone. My name is Tiffany Maddox and with me, as always, my co-host, Molls, back from Vegas and smelling of money. I'm. Where, what happened to the Scott this week? <laughs> I'm dropping it for Christmas. Oh, okay, good. Okay. <laughs> so we're back on the booze. We're just instead you're dropping Scott through the new year, right? <laughs> yeah. But January the third, right? He will be back. He, she, me will be back. They will be back. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, you know, I would I wouldn't go too crazy about my financial earnings in Vegas. I did stumble upon a guy named Bryce. The second night, I think it was Thanksgiving night, and he was killing it at roulette. And we'd kind of gotten hosed on roulette the night before, so there's sort of like a no roulette attitude for night two. But then I was like, we were trying to find like a a table with a smaller minimum because we didn't want to like, I don't know, we just didn't want to, uh, you know, pay, I think, like $50 a hand for poker, right? So... I'm like, I'm going to kill time at this roulette table. Well, next to me is this fucking savant who was pulling like, like he just every single, every single time. And my friend who was with me was like, 
This is the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my life. Because I just started to, I'm doing what Bryce is doing, right? After that, like, I'm not making any moves on my own. I'm doing what Bryce is doing. So it did, it resulted in me winning an amount of money that there was some fear mongering around whether or not I'd have to fill out tax papers from the (laughs) casino. And I was like, what? Because like, when, when you put, when you start putting $100 in, and next thing you know, you're asking your friend to hide the $750 chip that they've consolidated your, consolidated your winnings to. Like, that is overwhelming. And I wound yeah. up giving a majority of the money away, I think, because I it was Thanksgiving. Like, you know, the chicks working at the Taco Bell Cantina deserved... You know, a little like, you know, they deserved a 20 or cab driver deserved a 20. Like, oh, this lady was nice to me. Here's a 100 bucks. Like, <laughs> like it was just really like I just got really like, you know, punchy and jumpy. But then I've decided I'm never going to Vegas on a Friday again after Fremont Street on Friday. So like really early on in the night some guy who was like at Binion's which I've just I, I don't know I go back and forth about Binion's but you know the words I'm gonna fucking kill you white bitch were said to me just when I was oh. passing and then later on in the night I, I met these guys PJ and Frank and like they were just our favorite our favorite people to play with and we stayed by them for the rest of the night this guy comes over the table It took an alarmingly long time for them to remove him. Like, after he was calling me a fucking bitch and after he was calling the pit boss a fucking bitch. Because it was some game where it's like, you know, it's $5 hands or whatever, but then you have to put in this $1 chip. chip. And, like, it's really... We were all unclear on what the $1 chip was. I believe we won twice with the $1 chip, but, like... It took like a really long time for security to get him out of there. And it was like one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Like I got nervous that with the police presence that was out, I was like, Is, did someone like make a threat or something? Like what's going on? And oh, shit. I think I think that's just like what Fremont Street on a Friday is like a holiday weekend. So mm-hmm. yeah, on a holiday weekend. Didn't you meet a lady who was smoking crack in the toilets or was that last time? That was last time. Okay. Was that at Binion's too? She, I believe it was cocaine that she was oh, smoking. Okay. It, was, she was at a, it was a bridal party. Yeah, that was at Binion's. Uh, it was a bride. It's like a, you know, she was a bridesmaid in a bachelorette party. And I think she was just trying to, you know, stay awake. So, I mean, like, yeah. I don't know why I think I know what the smell of smoking cocaine is like, but, like, I remember being, like, really, like, kind of fucked up after leaving that bathroom. Right. Because she was in the stall next to me. And so I think that, like, that was the, uh, why, why I thought I had gotten secondhand crack or something. <laughs> but, it happens in Vegas. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, I ate Taco Bell two nights in a row. Wow. With, you know, boozy blah blast, which is like why I think oh. you have to go because I think you'd love a vodka infused Baja blast. Oh, I would die. I love a Baja blast. Even when Taco Bell, even when I've had Taco Bell in my country, which is very limited times because the nearest one is pretty far away, they don't have Baja blasts, let alone a boozy one. No, I know. So, you, yeah, probably because it's like radioactive. Yeah, I don't think it would be allowed. 
But I, I, speaking of your country though, I bought ranch dressing off TikTok shop when okay. it arrived today. And I'm, I, I've definitely been in that sort of slightly fever dream state of pre-Christmas consumerism where I'm buying stuff and it's turning up and I don't really know what it is and why did I buy it and some of the gifts are for me have been sent to me and some of them are gifts for other people some of them are gifts that I've bought for myself anyway and I got a knock at the door today and I was like that's weird it's a Sunday it must be like I think only Amazon delivers on a Sunday and it was not it was a cardboard box with some ranch dressing in it from TikTok how much did that what was the up, up mark on that Oh, I I dread to know actually. Probably I know I paid more for it than was normal. Sure. I'm gonna look in my TikTok shop, but there's there's some really wild stuff. I bought these candles that you can turn on with a remote for my like Christmas display because I don't want them setting fire to anything. Right. So I thought battery candles that'd be good. That's good. You need that. Some other shit. I have no idea what I'm buying people this year for Christmas. Oh, you you started at all? No. No. So I start early every year. So I bought like a bunch of like random bongs Mm. one night because I was at a glass shop and the guy was just like giving me a discount. So I bought like one that's shaped like a pig and I bought one that's like, (laughs) I don't know. I just bought a bunch of bongs and I was like, okay, well, these are friend gifts, you know? Yeah. But then I also... I I just have stuff like throughout the year I just buy things that I'm like this will be a good Christmas present this is on sale right now you know that sort of thing um but I have no idea what to get like my mom for example like most of the people in my life are either just like you know like the person who has everything but also like a lot of them are the person who wants nothing mm-hmm. but like you got to get you got to get something yeah, I've started making a, like, I've got a little wish list of bits, like, bits and pieces that vary in, like, just, like, books that I might want, like, nice cookbooks or little things here and there that I've got now locked and loaded because whenever I'm asked this time of year what I want, I, like, I fully space, like, I have no idea. I'm like, well, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. But of course I want something. I always just need practical stuff. Like what? Like... I don't know, like money to fix my dishwasher or mm. like, um, <laughs> like, you know, if my mom wanted to toss me some of her airline miles, I'd take that. Oh, yeah. You know, and like just like little things like I, you know, there's not really anything as I look around at like my bedroom pile, which is reaccumulated since it's last, you know, tearing down. I, I can't help but, you know, think that. I really don't. There's nothing I need in that capacity. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. I'm looking. I get served these fucking ads all the time. Like I have one of our stories open and there's all these like purses and jackets that I'm looking at on this ad. And I'm like, I could really go for that. Oh, and they're 50 percent off. Is that for real? We're in like the we're in the sales zone. Because it's post Black Friday, post Cyber Monday. So we've got deals aplenty. I actually bought Hannah a really beautiful gift, which I can't say because she'll listen to the pod. But I got her a gift and I'm like, and I managed to get it at a discount on Black Friday. Oh, come on. And it was fabulous. Oh, she's going to love that. That's great. I was I like, I was great. loving it. 
I was loving it. And then I was like, oh my God. It, it went from being like slightly eye-watering to being like a very reasonable gift. So I'm really excited to give it to her. I do love giving. You, I, you strike me as a good gift giver. I'm a, yeah, I, I like uh, joke around that like I have all the love languages and I like <laughs> do all the love languages, right? Like, there's nothing that makes, I mean, I gave away half my money in Vegas. Like I mm -hmm. like, I'm uncom. you know what I mean? Like I'm uncomfortable having something and not sharing it with people, which is yeah. something I should work on, honestly, because that's how you get stuck in a trap of like, just everyone thinks you're rich and it's like, no dude, I'm not rich. I just, <laughs> I'm a yeah. compulsive giver. Do you know what I, I know. mean? I know. Same. I, like I went through a phase of just like continuously paying for dinner with people who were more than capable of paying for dinner. And I like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, I'll get this. Like, who the fuck do I think I am? They're buying everyone dinner all the time. I know. Oops. And then I, I had a realization recently that was certain people like they just expect me to pay now. Uh -huh. And so, and we're at the point where it's like three years or whatever of me just like picking up the tab and like doing whatever else. And like, there are certain people with now that I say at the beginning of the meal, like to the waiter, I go, we're, we're going to do separate checks, by the way, because mm. they're going to order like we're not. Right. Do you know? And like, yes, <laughs> I don't, yeah. and I don't, I don't want anyone, you know, putting anything on my tab that they wouldn't you know, be able to pay for it themselves, like at a certain point with some, there's only a few people I really feel that way about for the most part, like, you know, but yeah, it's sometimes the, uh, the assumption. All right. Should we get into our stories? Yeah, we might as well. We might as I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's part of, <laughs> part of what we're doing. So did you see that ABC put out a like, you know, really quick little, seemed like pretty like hastily thrown together news piece it's being referred to as a documentary by like stan <laughs> twitter but about taylor swift and Ticketmaster. yes i did see that and i thought god that is very quick but i think it is more akin to a, an extended news segment right as opposed to anything more in depth do we think that you're gonna be in it i mean i think i would have heard by now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then the okay. Heather Morgan thing no one told me about. But I I think I swore too much in all of my TikToks uh -huh. about it. So that because like it does seem like a lot of it is cobbled together with like TikToks and then some interviews. And, you know, it does end with like someone saying something to the extent of like, all I know is that Swifties have better figure this out like before Beyonce tickets go on sale. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were Stan Wars about whether or not Beyonce would have the same draw as Taylor. <gasps> I know. I know. But yeah, I mean, like, listen, here's the thing is that, you know, a lot of people think that this like whole thing is like, you know, it's so dramatic to put together a news story about this. And I'm like, you weren't there. Like, <laughs> you have no idea how insane that was. It was really like, unless you were in line, I don't want to hear from you about how this is too much. Well, I was, uh, I was listening to another podcast the other day and the record was happening in the lead up to the tickets going on sale. And this guy was like, you could hear him getting more and more panicked as like the recording was going on. 
<laughs> and then when they went live and he got booted out of the queue, he just was like, he lost all motivation to do the rest of the podcast. <laughs> it was actually pretty funny. Oh, <laughs> it was like, he was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's just like, what, yeah, who gives a fuck? Like, uh, <laughs> it was kind of intense. It was intense. I had moments that day yeah. of, as well of being like, do I even really want to go if it's going to be like this? Like, and the answer is yes, I do. But <laughs> that feeling of defeat was is very real. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's a theory I've seen or like an idea I've seen floated. And I kind of like the idea of going on all the reselling apps and adding as many tickets to your cart as you can that are overpriced. And then not checking out. And then not checking out. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I kind of like that idea. Yeah. Would that, like, what would that do? I guess, like, it would make them unavailable, but they would never, unless you get, unless there's a specific amount of time that they're allowed to be in a car before they get recirculated. They do. It would have to be like a mass effort, which I'm not concerned about with Swifties. They're mentally <laughs> no. ill. Yeah. But, yeah, I uh, I I wasn't really sure on the logistics of it, but it was something about how people are going to start dropping the prices of their tickets if like that happens. You know what I mean? If people do employ this strategy, because like they'll just realize that like people are fucking with them at that point. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, you know, it sounds like a plan, guys. I don't really know what that was. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, let me know. But this was like something I was seeing moved around a lot. As a potential solution to get some of these people to drop their ticket prices. Yeah, there has to be something that people can do en masse because it feels like the it feels really odd that the balance of power is in the hand of like a few monopolies as opposed to millions of people who have purchasing power. Right. Right. There has to be something like that'll upset them. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. There's like a, a vigilant illegal or something is like a, the group of of all, uh, all these Swifty lawyers who are in the process of filing claims and briefs or whatever the hell you file. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but still should have been called Swift Justice. I'm just saying. I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> and I also think vigilante shit is the worst song on the fucking album. <laughs> all right. We have bad news. Do you do you want to break the news? Oh God! Well, this is this is particularly triggering for me because like my dog is is a little old and unwell, and so at my mum, I saw my mum on Friday, and my mum said, "I think this is gonna be our last Christmas with her." What the fuck? And I was I was like, oh God! So I think my dog's probably gonna die soon. Why do you <laughs> think that? She's very old and she has dementia and she's like, but my mum is saying that like she's in that phase of dementia where she's having good days and bad days. And my mum's like, she's like an old lady who goes out into the street and her PJs, like that's basically what the dog is doing. Yeah. And like, she'll have days where she like doesn't get out of bed <laughs> and she just like wants to like, she's just is really cozy. And so my mum is like giving her like palliative care in like the in the most anarchic kind of send off way, which is letting her eat chicken liver pate every day. Right. <laughs> like just letting her do whatever the fuck she wants and eat whatever she wants and shit wherever she wants and like just giving her a, a great send off. And then yeah, so she'll have these days where she's like that, and then she'll have days where she's like she wakes up like springs out of bed, is like a puppy, wants to play, 
and is like is all cool. So I don't know. I think she just misses me. Bones days and no bones days. Quite, quite. And that and that is the news. Is that Noodle, the pug, of Bones Day and No Bones Day has passed away sadly. Mm. Fourteen is a while for a pug. A pug. A pug. Yeah. Yeah. We saw a pug in Vegas that I was like, and that is why you do not (laughs) inbreed animals too much. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's a dodgy breed at times. So I was a little, I was a little surprised. 14 is a good run. Mm -hmm. You know, he was adopted as a senior pet. We love that. Is there any way you're going to be able to go home for like a month or something? Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to see her at Christmas and assess the situation. And if it looks, if it looks real rough, I might stay behind for a little longer. The one thing I was was thinking is that I would really like to bring her back home for like her final days. But she does have dementia and she doesn't have great eyesight. And I think it would actually not be great for her to be in a completely different environment. I think it would kind of sketch her out. I agree. So I may... I I think I may go home but my mom said to me right she goes she's like you know when the time comes I hope you don't get angry with me when I when I have to do what needs to when I take her to do what needs to be done and I was like um I will be angry if you put your my dog down without consulting me sure yeah, that's a that's uh, a discussion, and you're reachable. I mean, like you and I talk. I'm an hour bit. away. Yeah, we talk quite a bit, and we couldn't. We're on opposite, t- you know, time of the world. You might as well be in Australia. Yeah, you guys have to talk. That that's actually some. I would I would draw up some terms on that with mom. Yeah, yeah. I think like I've had these. The thing is, like, I think my mom thinks that she's protecting me because like every time she brings it up I get really dramatic and I'm like well they're gonna have to cremate me with her like yeah. <laughs> like shit like that but I I've like I've told my mom you have to tell me because I'm her favorite person and so I can be there but I don't want it to be done at the vets if possible I want the vet to come to the house I was like I don't care what it costs I will pay whatever it costs if it needs to be done you have to let me know so I can like make arrangements and I think my mom's thought is like, oh, I better not tell Tiff because she'll be really upset. <laughs> so I'm like, um, I would rather know in advance. That would like, make me yeah. go to the mental hospital. Yeah, I think it would fully, it would fully tip me over the edge. Like she put, the, the, I mean, I say she put the cat down while I was in Texas. She did do that. But the cat was very, very ill and very, very old. And there was nothing I could do from Texas. So my mom just called me crying and said, the cat's gone. So I got drunk and got a tattoo of the cat's name. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a rough one. You know what I mean? And like sometimes the people we love in an attempt to protect us wind up pissing us off more than we knew <laughs> was humanly possible. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's a it's a lose-lose, you know, in that sort of situation. That's one thing I've like had to like come to terms with like losing a couple pets in like a couple years like you know like wags was like really like nightmare zone material but like you know like there's no perfect way to to ha- to have something like that go down it sucks right so sad you know yeah. it's just it's like profoundly sad so yeah i mean you'll figure it out 
I'll be honest with you. I thought about having someone come out to euthanize Blue at the house. And one thing I will say, one thing in favor for the vet is that, like, typically by the time they have to go down, they have no fucking idea what's going on. Yeah, and very true. They've been in and out of the vet frequently, typically. So they're, like, not so freaked out by it. But also, like, and Wags, like, actually, I would say kind of liked the vet towards the end because he was like, okay, I'm here to get better, you know? But, you know, they take the body right away. You don't have to deal with the drama of, like, because that is, it's like, you know, it scars you for life. Like, once you're holding your pet with no life in it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. But. Shout out to the dogs. Shout out to all the dogs. <laughs> Noodle and Jonathan and everyone in that family as well. Babe, we got to switch it up. Now, <laughs> Cocaine Bear. This was trending all week. Uh, apparently, they've made a movie out of this. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Really crazy story that's that's true i think that that was the thing that shocked a lot of people was that this is legitimately a true story i'm just gonna read from the cnn thing it says the story is indeed based on the true story of a bear who overdosed on cocaine in the 1980s the film blah 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 it's co-produced by elizabeth banks i believe is Ray did ray liotta pass oh oh I, i didn't know that i think this might be his last movie if he passed. But basically, a duffel bag of cocaine was dropped from a small plane onto the mountains of Georgia by Andrew Thornton, who died after parachuting from the plane, according to reporting at the time by the Associated Press. So then, oh, so Thornton's sordid life as a police officer and drug dealer has been documented in books like The Bluegrass Conspiracy. So then, all of this cocaine is found by a fucking black bear, which are not like the danger boys really but like here's the thing they're still bears for five minutes the five minutes after it ate 40 packages of cocaine this this animal was considered the most deadly apex predator on the entire planet 
<laughs> I, I'm not really sure what the death toll was or whatever it is, but yeah, they re- this was like, you know, this is like sort of a weird thing that we're, no one really talks about. I wonder if it's because of the part of the country, honestly, that it happened in. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of the taxidermied cocaine bear, and you could never tell that he was a cokehead. No, you, you couldn't tell. And that says a lot about, I, I think, drug, you know, drug use is that <laughs> you just you, never know. You never know. Like you're always looking for a certain type and like those people, you know, they might that might not be them. But then you look at the soccer mom who's drinking mm-hmm. meth out of her coffee cup uh, at, you know, at the game <laughs> and she's pulling it off. Famously. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. So th- this bear has been taxidermied. And has sort of like made the rounds in the states, and yeah, they call him Pablo Escobar. Escobar. Oh, Escobar. Pardon me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Cocaine Bear. I mean, I'm gonna see it. I I loved the uh, the posters. Like tagline was "Get in line." Oh, nice. I know. Oh, that's good. I know. That's very good. Yeah. So a lot of mainstream cocaine conversation this week. Yeah, but I feel like it trended for like three days against some pretty heavy hitters. Yeah, it's very it's it's a very fun story. I don't know if anyone died. I'm on the Wikipedia and I can't see. <gasps> Wait, the drugs were dropped on September 11th. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 9-11. Yeah. I got. I gotta go to. I gotta go. You know, I'm a 911 head, so I I know. I gotta go. You gotta go. Represent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Be a girl. (laughs) 911. I think what it's coming out. What like early next year, 2023, and we're gonna need it. We're gonna need something like this in 2023. I feel it's gonna be a tricky year. The anniversary of January 6th is coming up. (sighs) That's crazy, right? That feels like it was 400 years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've made such little progress on the whole thing, it feels. Oh, yeah. I, I keep seeing the clips. Like, is it like a documentary that's coming out that's got the footage of like inside Capitol Hill at the time? And it's like Nancy and she's on the phone and she's trying to get the National Guard. And I'm like, I guess it's for an upcoming doc, but it is truly some of the most horrifying footage I've ever seen. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. I've been listening to Bob Woodward's Trump tapes, though. And because, you know, like Bob Woodward, famous for, you know, Woodward and Bernstein, Deep Throat, taking down Nixon. He's still alive and kicking and has interviewed like all of these past, I think like the past six presidents have sat and done long interviews with him and he's written books. But he just decided to publish like all the raw tapes of his conversations with Trump. And it's really illuminating. Like. He knew that he was in March of 2020. He was telling Bob Woodward that COVID is way, way worse than a flu, mm-hmm. that the death toll is going to be outstanding. Very like, you know, very, you know, pretty much the opposite of what we were pitched on COVID. So, yeah, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm, I did see that one thing where she, where she said she would like punch Trump in the face if he came down there is that front some of the- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that but that sounds excellent mm-hmm. she's like yeah tell him to come yeah tell him to come down here so I can knock him the fuck out like <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah this was i i'm very intrigued to see what comes of this but i guess like are the hearings still happening if they happened like when is it gonna wrap up i think we got another round okay i don't know what's gonna happen with liz cheney though because she did not win her election and she was the only republican like she's like you know was considered to be like the more like forgiving or liberal republican you know what i mean or like non maga, I should say. That's probably a better way to put it. But yeah, hmm. who knows? You know, wild year. Yeah. Okay. Now let's talk about th- this Putin story. <laughs> this actually put a smile on my face. There were a few stories. There was one I wanted to include, which was about a Buddhist temple in Thailand where all the monks got sent home, and it has no monks in it because all the monks failed their drug tests. But. Oh. I know, speaking of drugs, but I didn't include it, but I'm telling you now, but there wasn't much else. But then I saw this little gem pop up and apparently Putin is very unwell. And we've been hearing reports that he's unwell for quite some time, even though that not a lot is coming out of like, well, you can't trust Russian state media anyway, because it has a a very vested interest in protecting the image of him. But uh, the rumors are that he's very unwell that he has Parkinson's and that he is also, he has some form of cancer. I think the, I think the reports I was reading was it might be like, like a, like a stomach cancer or something that's particularly like gnarly in terms of like survival rate. So he's on his way out. And so the story goes as told by a group on Telegram, which is apparently updated and run by people within Putin's inner circle. Putin fell down some stairs and then he shat himself. So what's the deal? Like, do you think he just wanted to go out with a bang? Yeah, I think so. I th- and I also think like, I think he might be a very, a very unwell, very desperate man making like a last ditch attempt. Well, he doesn't really have anything to lose, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so, so normally I don't like stories where people fall, especially older <laughs> people, but he is bad. We went over that privately off off mic where I was like <laughs> I don't know if the listener is gonna be shocked to hear that we're not pro Putin. <laughs> yeah, but I was hesitant to laugh because it's like, you know, someone's old being old is never great. But no, this one was I mean, lol. You know what I mean? Like I know. He's a bad dude. So Shall I tell shall I read you the little passage from the telegram? Yes. I I'm guessing that this has either been like Google translated from the Russian or like obviously written in a a tongue that's not native. So apologies for any strange phrasing. Okay. Truly dramatic events for Putin took place in the evening at his residence. Going down the stairs, Putin stumbled and fell to his back. After which he fell on his side and slid down a couple of steps. It was like a double fall. The incident took place in front of the president's bodyguards who reacted quickly and rushed to Putin's aid. Three security officers helped the president to get to the nearest sofa and called the doctors who were on duty at the residence. Medics arrived within a few minutes but could not immediately examine the president. Putin suffers from oncology of the gastrointestinal tract. So yeah, cancer, stomach cancer or bowel cancer. The result of which he already experiences such problems with digestion, such serious problems with digestion. And as a result of the fall, as it turned out, the main blow fell on the coccyx, which probably caused sharp pain, provoking involuntary defecation. If Putin used to wear special waterproof underwear with an absorbent effect, then lately he neglects these precautions, as it turned out in vain. 
Before the examination, the doctors escorted the president to the bathroom and helped him to clean up and at the same time conducted an internal examination. After a complete examination, a bruise on the coccyx and soft tissues was diagnosed. Nothing critical. The president's health remained stable. He took painkillers. He wears special shoes, even at home, with anti-slip coating. And the stairs in the residence are considered, quote, safe. As it turns out, all precautions are meaningless when nerves are at stake. Oh. I think someone's been assassinated for making slippery floors. Probably. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. What was the thing with his Botox, too? Like, wasn't there a thing where he had someone, like, traveling with him to give him Botox? Oh, I, I fully believe that because there was a woman on TikTok who gave him a manicure. Did you ever see that? Yes, but I forgot what happened. I think she just, like, he was in America. I think maybe in, maybe it was in LA, California, something. And she was called to do a manicure and it was all super super secret she couldn't bring her phone loads of this kind of shit and then she got to this house and she had to wait in this room and out comes putin and then he doesn't say anything to her she basically cuts his nails and then he leaves and then some people cut and like people come in and then pay her and then she goes like so yeah she was basically called in to cut his nails doesn't even cut his own nails i would not even like a buff i wouldn't recognize him like that's the last person <laughs> on the planet i would recognize well it would be the last person you would expect to see right it would be so surreal yeah kim kim jong-un or whatever would be pretty surprising too yeah yeah absolutely i keep getting fan cams of him on my tiktok and i don't know what i've done to deserve it but i am really enjoying them yeah that's that's a gift that's that's a gift from the <laughs> algorithm right there <laughs> Like, I mean, that's just Gen Z fucking around, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's your favorite fascist? Um, you know, honestly, I don't think I have one. Okay. Well, maybe Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Kanye. <laughs> I mean, fair. Very fair. Yeah. So I, I think you might have been asleep for this. Or I'm not really sure because I I got to it a little late and I was able to track down a like rebroadcasting that someone put up on YouTube and boy did I watch all three hours of no of you Kanye didn't. West on Infowars and boy was it cuckoo it was it's very upsetting and like yeah I want to acknowledge that like I cannot I mean like who am I to say I'm so sorry to the Jewish community. Like, I can't apologize on his behalf, but, like, I'm just, like, I'm so sorry. Like, that's all I kept thinking when I was watching it. It's, like, I'm so sorry. Like, it was a nightmare. And, like, it was a little similar to, I watched the one where he was on with Tim Cook. Is that his name? Or is that the guy from Apple? That's the guy from Apple. Okay, Tim Poole, who, where, where Kanye had walked out. He was with Milo Yiannopoulos and had walked out. He was also with this guy... Like Nick Fuentes or something. Who I hate. I hate him. I hate him. Who is he? I only know of him because there's a really brilliant Louis Theroux documentary that came out earlier this year. And I think it's called like Angry White in America or something. And it, it is, if you can find it, I'll find out the name. I will send it to you because I think you'd be very fascinated by it. It looks at right wing... Usually pretty, I I say right wing, but I mean, they're so far right provocateurs who are essentially getting very, very famous through the internet. And Nick Fuentes was one of them. 
And the other ones, the other people on there were just kind of like dumb, dumb provocateurs who were making money. There's this one guy who goes out and he live streams and like his street, like the people on his stream, like donate and play like Nazi songs and like really offensive shit. And it's clearly that he's like doing it for money and clout. I think he was the former, maybe he was a former BuzzFeed guy who turned bad. And then Nick Fuentes is like, he broadcast from his parents' basement. And he says like all of this stuff with a, a little kind of a cheeky smile as if like, oh, I'm not really like being truthful, but I don't think women should speak or have rights. And, and people are like, oh, Nick Fuentes, you're so funny. But you know, he does say a lot of good stuff about the economy or whatever. He's like one of those. Yeah. And there were people in the documentary, I remember saying, they were like, oh, he's going to be the next president of America. And I was like, oh, no, one day he's going to be president. And I was like, there is no fucking way Nick Fuentes is making it out of his mom's basement. So when I saw that Kanye was running around with him, I was like, that's the fucking guy from the Louis Theroux documentary? Yeah. Horrifying. I'll find it for you. I, you should definitely watch it. It'll scare the shit out of you, but you should definitely watch it. I mean, it's interesting because like, I really do think that anyone at this point who's enabling Kanye will have blood on their hands. Mm-hmm. Because I just don't see this this Kanye thing turning around. Like, you can apologize no. all day, but like, I mean, I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen someone blow up their life like this before. He's never coming back from this. No planet in which he does. And like, there are, you know, I don't know. In some ways, it's also scary, too, because I've seen people sort of reveal that like they were waiting for someone to say this, you know, and then sort of walk it back when they're not getting the reception they want. I saw a guy on TikTok who was, you know, he had uh, deleted his original video because he basically was saying like, you know, there's something to it, you know, to the fact that like, you know, the only people we're not allowed to talk about are the Jews. Like there's something to that. And (sighs) you know, someone had left a comment that he respects, like some verified creator. And he's like, I'm going to delete my thing because of that. Like, maybe this isn't my place to speak on. And kind of what's like, you know, been interesting about the last few years and horrifying as well is like this anti-Semitism has like ramped up a lot. And like the one sort of like, I guess, maybe refreshing thing about it was that people were being honest about how they felt. For the first time. Mm-hmm. And now that some we're seeing someone who, you know, up until this point in his career was more or less un- untouchable, right? Like you couldn't really, Kanye came back from everything, you know? Now they're seeing these repercussions happen to one of the most famous people in the world. And they're going to go back to being quiet about it, which to me is even scarier. Like that was one reason why I kind of was like, maybe they shouldn't kick Trump off Twitter because like, then we get to see, then they're, you know, then they're just going to go behind closed doors and talk about it, which is just as scary to me, if not scarier, than seeing them just spell out their... Their hatefulness in, in plain sight. Yeah, right? their little dreams. But did you see the, the Netanyahu bits? I saw a little bit. I saw a little bit of the Netanyahu thing. First of all, who on his team had to go get a fish tank net? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that they went out and get it or do you think he saw it on the way and it was like oh i have a bet it's gonna kill i honestly would say that i don't think he knew that netanyahu was the name of the is like israeli prime minister until 
earlier that day. Wow. Like, it seemed like a very thrown together bit that, like, this would have come up before. Do you know what I mean? Because he really Mm -hmm. thought he had, like, struck gold with this one. So, I don't know. I don't know. It just was very... You could tell he was like, on, honestly, it felt like South Parkian. Yes, it did. It really did. I think we're like in this ugh, almost not post-parody existence, but like reality is just so deeply bizarre that I would like if this was a South Park episode, I think you'd probably laugh and think it was too far-fetched. Right. Right. The thing that's actually really concerning to me is that there is a there's a funny little thing happening, I think in the wake of the Balenciaga drama, which obviously we didn't cover last week because we weren't here, but I noticed that my FYP on TikTok was getting more and more conspiratorial and in a very insidious way. Like I would I would get like the occasional like weird, you know, red shoe conspiracy of like, you know, the Pope wearing human children as shoes or whatever, like that shit. Like stuff or- that you can really easily dismiss. And what really concerned me is when I would see like creators who seemed pretty switched on suddenly talk about conspiracies in a way that was really troubling because they were presenting this information as if it was absolute fact. And I think there is like a very clear gap when it comes to media literacy and that these things are being presented all at the same time. So the stuff that I'm seeing in conjunction with Kanye is the same old shit like when you talk about the globalist elites like that is anti-semitism it's linked to an anti-semitic conspiracy yeah and it is it is always that like everything always comes back to well it's just anti-semitism that's like all of the conspiracies that's where all the roads lead and you can present it in like a new way and you know and bring it to a new audience but like really it's just the same shit rebranded And I find that really disturbing. I find it disturbing that, you know, because Kanye was on the Alex Jones show with his like, you know, a pair of fucking skims on his face that people are like, well, that's not really Kanye. Oh, Kanye is not really tweeting. That's not really Kanye. And it's like, oh, like he's going to die soon or like this is what they want. They're ruining his reputation. And I'm like, who are they? (laughs) And like, what benefit is it? Because it's like, oh, yeah, because you can't see his face. So it's not really him. Like this is a plot to like get at Kanye. And I'm like, what about all the other shit that he said with his full chest and his face exposed? Like, are we going to ignore that? Well, that's how I know that it was Kanye underneath <laughs> that mask was because of the shit he was saying. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it's interesting because, like, it's interesting to watch someone like Alex Jones, like... You know, I don't want to say people were almost saying like, wow, well, when you make Alex Jones uncomfortable, like, you know, you're in trouble. And it's like, I just think that Alex Jones deals more in the business of like, just picking random people to attack mm-hmm. and not so much going after entire groups. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that's really where his bread and butter is, because who like. All types are giving money to Alex Jones. Like, he certainly implies things, you know what I mean? But, like, no one's ever gone on and been like, you know what, we need to stop giving Nazis such shit. Like, or something like that. Like, he said something (laughs) like that. And he's like, and by the way, like, that's enough talking bad about the Nazis. 
Alex Jones is like, we're going to commercial. My favorite part was during just my favorite Alex Jones moment was when he uh, suggested they take a break for food. And Kanye is like, I'm not hungry. And, and Alex Jones is like, yeah, you're probably looking at me over here like manja, manja, manja. And I'm like, what, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Like, that was a thing. It was like, it was really, honestly, some of, it was probably the, like the most horrific. Uh, honestly, it really might be. Like, up there with, like, January 6th of just, like, I have never seen this level of fucking destruction. This is, like, too, this is so surreal. I can't believe this is existing right now. Mm-hmm. It was gnarly. So the Kanye sub, which is notoriously, like, obsessed, you know, I mean, it's our Kanye. So, like, they are they are obsessed with Kanye, but it's been taken over by Swifties, people saying that this is a... This you know, is great. This is a Taylor <laughs> Swift. This. <laughs> this is a Taylor Swift sub now. And I I'm a little I feel two ways about this. One, it's like that's a that's like kind of a productive way, I would say, of dealing with this as a fan, right? You know, like it's better mm-hmm. than, you know, people being like, let's hear them out. But also like Swifties are so like like babe saying that Taylor Swift is like you're declaring her the winner of this is like not really like the hot, exciting, sexy take you think it is. Because like, mm-hmm. first of all, don't forget that Taylor Swift was propped up as like the, you know, KKK and like, you know, the far rights like Aryan princess for a really long time. So like, yeah. you know, calling her the winner in this like is very odd to me. And certain people, it was just like, you know, I mean, like, there sometimes can be a lack of self-control with stan culture. And it just felt like I was seeing, especially some of the same people, like, go back and it's like, you really need to, like, pause and, like, intellectualize what you're doing right now. You know, like, what, what is, like, your, your takeaway from this conversation is that Taylor Swift wins? (laughs) I know. Didn't they used to like there was a whole Tumblr that was designed for putting Hitler quotes on Taylor Swift pictures, as I recall, at a certain point in time. But yeah, I mean, it's a very weird narrative, though I have to say I I do love the humor and self-awareness of the Kanye sub declaring itself a Swifty sub like that is that's just my brand of fun. Yeah. And like I was uh, also surprised at the amount of like seemingly diehard fans who were demanding that the sub just be taken down. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, I don't know. It's really difficult, especially on TikTok to know like what exists, what's existing in the world that's inside your bubble and what is actually happening in the world in a broader sense. I don't like that. I'm on a side of TikTok where I'm seeing people who who are making apologies excuses and and even going to the lengths of developing conspiracies to excuse his behavior i wish i was on like a more normal side of tiktok i guess because it just feels like it's everything but i don't think that is actually how it is actually in reality happening and manifesting in the world i think the majority of people are have been pretty disgusted with his behavior for quite some time yeah i would i would just like you know every fucking like he's really dominated this podcast this year (laughs) I got to the point where I was like I just don't want to say I don't want to talk about him anymore and then and then and then it's like then he'll do something that is so fucking 
much worse than the last bad thing that he did that like we have to talk about it yeah so i'm like is this the last time like and don't see this as a challenge kanye like please <laughs> like could this be it now like could you please maybe get 51 would at this point i mean yeah the thing is is like he needs to do that probably in another state like whatever he's going through he needs to act out in another state because it's really hard to put a 5150 on someone in california it's hard even though we're sort of famous for it it's kind of harder than people think okay but he's in miami so who knows florida's pretty rough and rowdy here's a question would it be wrong because this is a bad expression to tell like like Milo Yiannopoulos and Gavin McGinnis to go back to their country. <laughs> what if we don't want them back? Right, that's fair. But like, why do why do we have to have them? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Do they even deserve the privilege of? I mean, like, here's the thing. I don't think that they could hate monger anywhere else, but the 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 way that they've been able to here. Well, yeah, I think we tend to send some of our, like, some of our failed, most hateful figures tend to do quite well in America. Like, Katie Hopkins, Milo's BFF, did quite well when she was deplatformed everywhere. Even when the most hateful racist newspaper in the UK, who she's writing a column for, banned her for writing a column that essentially was inciting, like, racial violence, calling migrants rats and other such kind of horrific propaganda like heavy terms i think she went and started working as a kind of like fox pundit for a little while <laughs> so it seems to be like i don't know it's it seems to be the last stop on the hate train is the united states like you hate so well i know it's a thing i admire so much about your country is you really do hate well yeah i don't know man like Yeah, um, I don't know. I always say there's a lot of money in being a hateful person. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of ways to monetize that. So, but I mean, thankfully, even like the most off the deep end, you know, the deepest of the deep ends are are like freaked out by Kanye. Yeah. Did you see that thing that the tattoo, not tattoo, uh, laser place in London was running a promo called Yeezy Come, Yeezy Go, where they would laser off your Kanye tattoo for free. Yeah, there was, this happened with a, there was a Canadian band where the lead singer was accused of, or I, I maybe even found guilty, I don't know, of sexual assault. And a lot of places were offering free laser removal for people. Like, which I think is just like, I think that's good business. And I think it's mm -hmm. also just like the right thing, you know, it's the right thing to do. I've also heard of services doing that, like services like that for people who maybe like got, you know, were like in the Aryan Brotherhood yep. in prison to like part, you know, to survive sort of. And then they get out and like, or, you know, sort of enter back into society and are like, I don't want anything to do with this. And they've been doing free removal for that there's a lot of people that do that so yeah. yeah what do you think about this yay 24 merch being sold on ebay do you think that's coming from kanye oh well maybe right 
because like I mean Kim Kim's a big eBayer as well, right? And like where else? Who where else is he gonna sell his shit? Right, because he doesn't have those like yeah he doesn't have those channels anymore. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Okay. So can I just say something about the Balenciaga thing? Because mm-hmm. I am seeing it like. You know, this was like thrown in my face this week because like when it comes to our next topic, someone was like, you don't care about kids. Like, you know, why haven't you said anything about Balenciaga? And it's like, well, I mean, like, I don't know if I like, what do you want me to say? Like, child abuse is bad. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, what do you want me to say? Like, I didn't realize I was like a pundit either. Like, there's certain things where I just feel like, you know, what do you want me to say? Like. Sometimes I feel like a retweet is more appropriate than like actually like saying something. And sometimes people want people who are not like in the position to say something to say something. Mm -hmm. But I'll be real with you. I think that they this was like they did this to be provocateurs. Yes, they absolutely fucking did. I don't think it was like, you know, I don't think that this is about satanic messaging. I don't think that this is about. I don't think that there's anything about this except that this is just another example of people in fashion taking it way too far in an attempt to be a provocateur. It is. You are absolutely right. That is essentially all that is. Are the pictures in incredibly poor taste? Yes. Has it been done intentionally to stoke the flames of outrage? Yes. Has it backfired massively in a way that I think they probably couldn't have foretold? Is Kim Kardashian (laughs) the leader of the elite and, you know, I guess pimping out her own children? No. Like, is this what like global Satanists do? No. Like Satanists as a, as a practicing Satanist myself are atheists who want to be left the fuck alone, who like, you know, just, just pretty chill. Like there is no like underground, like ritual, like eyes wide shut indoctrination of Doja Cat. Like, that's right. not the case. It's like <laughs> fucking nuts. And like, there's plenty of things that point to bad people protecting each other. I mean, like, look, that's the yes. dark web. That's the dark web, you know? It's like, just that's where if you want to find pedophiles, go to the dark web, you know? And it's all this like sort of outrage about things where it's like, I don't know. The thing that gets me is it's like this outrage that's like, yeah, you can yell about this thing all day, but like, what are you actually doing? Like, what are mm-hmm. where where are you seeking out resources to like actually do something about the problem instead of just like quote unquote bringing awareness? You know, I know. I think I we're know. aware. Yes, like we're aware that child abuse is very bad. I also again like this is the this is the anti-Semitic conspiracy theory of it all. I would encourage everyone to listen to there's a great you're wrong about episode about chap like trafficking and how like the where are the children or like the kind of lost children archetype of like children being trafficked is this kind of very sort of weird QAnon conspiracy type thing that really is deeply unhelpful to actual like child trafficking the two things like are very separate like actual child trafficking is most likely to be people of color, like young women of color from like low income neighborhoods who are trafficked by people that they know because the majority of child abuse happens within the family. It happens with people that you know. And and it's so deeply sad and horrific, but like that is a really difficult problem to untangle because it's like completely systemic. So if you want to do anything about 
trafficking young people then one you have to be like anti-racist and acknowledge the fact that this happens to a lot of like young people of color and two you have to address the like socioeconomic inequality that allows for those conditions to to happen and people don't want to have a difficult conversation about readdressing that balance like what they would much rather do is point the finger at like an edgelord at a fashion house mm-hmm. and it's like one of like one of these things is actually happening <laughs> and is very very serious and one of these things is a conspiracy theory similarly with balenciaga it's like okay well let's have a conversation then around safeguarding young people in the modeling industry and you know stage parenting and what happens to child actors child models and and if they're correctly safeguarded and and so on and so forth and then it's like oh we don't want to have that conversation (laughs) because like that's too that's like too annoying and too complex so once again it's like the kids holding a bondage bear oh my god it must be the like zionist elites that have that have done it they're trying to normalize like child (laughs) child abuse and i'm like uh this is a culture that loves to normalize underage sex like it's their favorite thing like it's britney spears on the cover of rolling stone it's like (laughs) it's been going on for a very long time and you know it's like real about the fact that these kids have no fucking idea what they were holding the kids have no idea what they're holding to the it's like to the pure of mind all things pure it's not excusable but it's like there is a, a hysteria and a, like a moral panic happening here that is not allowing for any nuance and that is terrifying to me. And a lot of this, these are the same people that think that like children would like go to a drag show and interpret it as an inherently sexual versus like mm-hmm. what I can imagine I would have thought. Like, and by the way, I think I might have done stuff like that when I was a kid. Like I was not sheltered in that way. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, look at these like cool people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I would it be, is, thanks for enriching me mom you know what i mean like th- that's what i would think is like wow all the kids at school like maybe they went to six flags but i got to see this cool thing that none of them have seen oh i was raised by the gays too like my mom had a best friend called paul like paul jovanelli who i think used to do drag and we used to watch top of the pops together and my mom would like drink wine with him and his gay friends it was like It was such a delight. Can I make a recommendation? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are mad at Peacock right now. That's going to be our next story, why people are mad at Peacock. And this is like, you know, if you you have a closed mind, this might not be the, the end of this podcast might not be for you. But there was a documentary that was released on Peacock this week about a wrestler named Teddy Hart. And I didn't really know what it was about until I started to like watch I guess I didn't realize it was as true crimey as it was but this guy basically is like borderline tiger king but the thing that happened was like this guy started sort of making a documentary about him like years ago and had like eight years of footage and like things just it was not coming together the way that he wanted and so he didn't really know what to do and where he'd last let off Teddy was dating um, a single mom named Samantha Fiddler, and she has been missing since November 19th of 2016. It's very sad because her own family doesn't believe she's alive anymore. But yeah, I, I think he trafficked her because he was oh broke. God. He like left her in Florida, like had her doing like landscaping with the this group of people, but she was living with a woman. 
she was like a model worker, basically. And then one morning she like winds up in jail because she had like the woman who she had been living with, like basically like told her she needed to move out or like gave her some sort of ultimatum. And so she wound up like throwing some glasses or something. And so they put her in jail. And then she was bailed out of jail. Her appearance had tra- changed drastically, by the way. She was like a, you know, like a long hair, like brunette woman, also an indigenous woman from Canada. And she was like, you know, when they picked her, when they picked her up from jail, she was like a, like had a, you know, blonde, like almost platinum bob. But it was box dyed, which her sister said was very suspicious because Samantha, like, knew about how to take care of, like, you know, she knew how to do her hair. So the idea of her box dyeing her hair blonde was, like, really surreal and unbelievable to her sister. But, yeah, like, just in terms of, like, all the trafficking rumors that go around, too, like, my friend I was watching with was, like, that, like, he was, like, it didn't even occur to me, the trafficking thing, until you pointed it out. I'm, like, yeah, he sold her, dude. Like, and these, you know, children are now being raised by her mom or whatever else. But you should watch this documentary, Dangerous Breed. It's on Peacock. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And I feel a much more obvious example of, like, how trafficking really works. Yeah. It is a very, like, I don't want to, I want to be really clear. It is a, a huge, very widespread, very fucked up issue, which is why it really infuriates me that it's, that it's misreported and mishandled in favor of conspiracy because the reality is actually is deeply sad and is a real fucking problem and similarly with like anything to do with sex offenses against children like that is hugely widespread but i think it's easier for us to point the finger at like the so-called hollywood elite instead of going well they're in our schools the predators are in our schools they're in our families they're in our streets they're next door to us. There are like there are neighbors. They are people who are all around us. But I think maybe that's too intense a thing to kind of reckon with. And so it's easier to give the monster like a shadowy face and a hood <laughs> and a ritual than it is to admit that maybe, you know, the scout leader is is inappropriate with your child. Well, our friend Fluently Forward made a video about this this week, sort of addressing some of it. And one stat that's people are just like repeating is that 840,000 children go missing in America each year. And Shannon was like, like, yeah, but like 98% of them are found. Mm -hmm. And like people are just running with this narrative. And like, I'm Mm -hmm. sure that that stat initially came out to talk about the importance of Amber Alerts and stuff like that. But like most of these kids are found. Like then, well, they're taken by a parent in a custody battle uh, and reported as missing. Absolutely, absolutely, and like that's not to negate the you know, you know, two percent of the kids that are not found. That's not, but like people are just so like they're upset about all the wrong things, you know. Mm -hmm. So okay, let's talk about the Casey Anthony documentary. Yeah, I watched it this week on your recommendation. I was really glad that I did. Actually, it took me a while to find, but. It was very surprising to me as a watch. Right. Okay. I want to just get this out of the way because we know how people are like, did you even watch the trial? Like, okay. First of all, yes, I did. I've not only watched the trial, but I've watched it multiple times. 
I've read Jose Baez's book, who was the defense attorney. I've also read the prosecution's book. I've anytime an interview comes out with her parents, I watch it. Anytime there's like a little like sprinkle of Casey Anthony, I have to be involved because like I just I mean, it's like one of the most baffling cases, I would say, in like recent American history. Mm-hmm. And it was wasn't it like the first time like trial and social media kind of came together in perfect harmony because it was early Twitter and people were people were able to kind of live react to things that were happening in the trial. Yes, and like so much like the Nancy Grace of it all, like tot mom. Do you remember they used to Mm -hmm. call her tot mom? Mm -hmm. But like, you know, which I I actually don't know. Is Nancy Grace a good person? No, absolutely not. Right. (laughs) But like she's one of those people that like when she seems to be driving on a case that like everyone's upset about, she really like becomes for I think people let that go to the wayside for a minute but like she Mm -hmm. doesn't have like truthfully like a track record of being like a great person so I'd like to just keep keep that in the mix but yes I am like very informed on the details of this case that said it's always been baffling right that Florida tried to give her the death penalty and the that and that's the reason why essentially she got Mm -hmm. off right I also just want to remind people that Nicholas Cruz, the Parkland shooter, didn't qualify for the death penalty, according to the jury recently. And that's in Florida. Now, have you heard the statistic that, like, death penalty cases, like, oftentimes prosecution will push for that because, especially in a case like this, where it's not so cut and dry what happened, there's not, like, really hard evidence, like... If there is a body, there's like severe decomp, right? So like you don't, you're not getting all the information you'd like. They uh, prosecutors will often push for death penalty because it stacks a jury in a very specific way. Because a lot of people will not participate on a jury. They'll say like, I cannot do a death penalty case because of like religious exemptions, like personal mm-hmm. beliefs, like all sorts of reasons right so you're gonna get it you're gonna get people who are even open to the idea of the death penalty is like a more select group of yeah people right so Mm -hmm. it could have been viewed as strategy but like tell me about your journey with like what do you know about the case like what did you think when you were watching the documentary like i think talking about the sort of roller coaster of one part one two and three is important because a lot of people quit during part one which I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I can't imagine starting something like that and not sticking with it. Like, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah, tell me your. Well, we didn't have, like in this country, certainly there wasn't a, there wasn't the same amount of coverage for obvious reasons. So I was aware of her because I knew, because I was extremely online, <laughs> but I didn't really, I, there wasn't a lot of stuff and sort of news happening around it. So my relationship to the case is is pretty it's pretty woolly at best i've seen quite a few documentaries about it i've definitely like i know i know the beats i know like the main things i mean i think yeah i've watched a couple of like feature length documentaries or documentary series like one or two three parts um just because i'm a kind of a john bonnet obsessive and I don't know, maybe child murder is my niche, but I don't, I don't, I wasn't like super familiar with it. I didn't have like a relationship with it in the same way that I do with some other cases. 
I think because it just felt as it was happening it was too far away from home for me for it to like kind of make any sense and I think I what age would I have been Mm, early 20s probably so yeah but I am always really I'm always really interested in cases like this because I am aware of the way that she was painted from a media perspective and what fascinates me in particular is how women are painted in these scenarios in the media so like we had a case here many many years ago like the louise woodward case who was a british nanny who was accused of of shaken baby syndrome yeah that was in boston was that in boston yeah yes okay so like and also of course amanda knox and you know anything like that is is so unusual um especially when they are quite young women that i'm just fascinated to to see how they're covered um yeah so i think like that was my relationship. I'd never, I'd never really had much of a relationship with her beyond her being a punchline, honestly. Yeah. So like, I think that the, I mean, my interpretation for years and like this, this was illuminating for me in a way that I, I, cause I, you know, really try to have like a good sense of media literacy. Remember, you know, I mean, like I always remember anytime I'm watching like a celebrity produced documentary, I'm like, this is a propaganda film. And like right. this, like they're not going to show anything like truly bad. The only one I think that I can think of like a, a celebrity was the Lil Wayne one. Do you remember that? Where I never saw that. Basically just showed him like getting fucked up and everyone in his life being very concerned about him. He was drinking a lot of lean. But yeah, like... The thing with with this is like I went into it thinking like, you know, I'm b- about to watch Casey Anthony pathologically lie for three hours and like that's OK. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not it's not OK that she's doing that. But like I just never expected anything more from her. I've laughed at, you know, which is awful, but I've laughed at rumors that she basically like paid for her defense with Jose Baez through sexual favors. I have. You know, I long believed that like Zanny the nanny was like a sh- like a you know a code word for Xanax. Interestingly mm-hmm. enough, the guy that started the Zanny the nanny thing, like in terms of saying it's Xanax, he was in the documentary, um, and he was the one who put that out there, the whole Xanax mm-hmm. thing. And he was like, "No, I never saw Casey use Xanax or or give Xanax to Kaylee, but like it just makes too much sense, you know. Like this guy was like really like hardcore. He's been working the Casey Anthony or the you know in the Kaylee Anthony circuit for years. Like this guy has been around forever. What happens in the, throughout the course of this documentary is like you're challenged with a a woman who has a you know sort of a harsh personality, you know, like." I think I said to Tiff, like, she has a very masculine energy, which can be very off-putting. And I think Amber Heard has that as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that when, so when people see that and they're like, no, but you just can't make sense of the 31 days. And no, but like this thing she said was so weird. And like, have you seen the videos of her in prison on the phone? And it's like, yes, like, but n- not, those things don't add up to murderer. And mm-hmm. They weren't able to prove that she was a murderer in court either. But what's very interesting is what we'd, you know, what we'd heard as like, you know, and then sort of because the dad denied it, dismissed was that she was molested by her father growing up. And in the third part, it all starts to come together where you realize like 
not only was Casey very affected by the dynamic in her family and her father's lying and her father's stealing and cheating, you know, when people are also saying to like, you know, well, why would she raise her child in the same home as her abuser? Well, the truth is, is that Casey Anthony got pregnant when she was 18 years old. Her parents hid her pregnancy, lied about her pregnancy to like everyone. For some reason, Casey's been blamed for that. But it feels weird. Like one thing Casey said is that her mom would just tell her coworkers that Casey had a sedentary body. Yes, I remember that. And, you know, it's interesting because like Kaylee, when she was when when Kaylee was born, you know, Casey really didn't have an option to get out of the house. Thankfully, George had started an affair quite like shortly after Kaylee was born and was out of the house and didn't move back in until she was about two and a half. So like or sorry, like a little like two years old. So they, he was really only living with the family for about six months. That's when Kodak's contract with Universal dried up and Casey started working in nightlife. She said she was socking away cash because she was just trying to get out of the house and like get her daughter and her out of the house because she you know people always say like well why did she let him watch him she didn't let him babysit kaylee the only time that he was ever like quote unquote like alone with her was when like the family like when her mom was babysitting and that was the only time you know what happened and like Really weird stuff, like when Casey tried to tell her mom that her dad molested her, her mom was like, oh, so you're a whore. Mm -hmm. Very weird shit. Like, I just don't, I think that George Anthony, he basically, like, moved on those cops like a bitch. You know what I mean? I've never heard anything like it. Like, really, truly, they, in the documentary, they play the clips of George going into the police and talking to them and... The language he uses is really fascinating. It's a lot like he immediately establishes himself as part of their group. It's a lot of we speak. It's not like you and I. It's like we need to do something. You know, there's obviously a puzzle piece missing here. We got to find out what the piece is. And so he's like obviously deeply comfortable in an environment where he's talking to these good old boys. Yep. And by the way, like the way that the cops were still like sort of like laughing you know, being like, he was a good guy, you know, his daughter's a fucking liar. And another really interesting part that was illuminated was that George Anthony was actually invited by the police, which is, this is incredibly uncommon, was invited by the police to go to the grand jury when they were deciding what they, what charges they were going to slap her with Mm -hmm. at trial. And he, although giving, despite giving interviews to the press throughout this entire thing, he like saying like oh it was an accident i assume it was an accident things got out of control like i really don't know what casey's involvement was but like you know i don't think she intentionally murdered her daughter went to the grand jury with the cops before becoming the prosecution star witness and mm-hmm. recommended that casey get the death penalty mm-hmm. he was the only non cop non member of law enforcement current law enforcement as part of that grand jury hearing and people who haven't watched the documentary who want to like argue about it which it's like sorry you can't be a part of the conversation for something you didn't watch like you can't be a part mm-hmm. of the conversation like all of like your whataboutisms or whatever literally mean nothing if you have not seen the documentary like and by the way i want to be really clear about something 
People keep talking about putting money in Casey Anthony's pocket. First of all, no one. Kaylee being dead was the best thing to ever happen to the financials of George and Cindy Anthony. Oh, wasn't it just? It was just. They made so much fucking money off of Kaylee being dead. Now, second of all, Peacock was really smart about this. The difference with, like, why, like, with Burke Ramsey and why he was able to sue CBS for a bunch of money is because, like, he, his family never went to trial over this. Mm -hmm. But because there was a trial involved, Peacock was willing to roll these dice because George Anthony would, if he were to ever sue for defamation, which I will say right now, that's not going to happen. Because he would have to prove that he didn't have a hand in killing Kaylee. Mm -hmm. He would have to prove that he didn't molest Casey. Mm -hmm. And so, which is interesting because it's a real script flipper on, like, the way sexual assault plays out in court. Because it's very rare, you know, as the victim, you have to prove that this happened to you. And if you are a the perpetrator, it's very rare that the perpetrator has to prove that the, he never molested someone, right? Mm-hmm. Every single person in that house should have been treated like a person of interest from day one. They should have all yeah. gotten equal, equal, like, you know, records pulled, equal pings pulled, like all this other stuff. It's all, like, it's all very possible that, like, you know, anyway, my point in saying that is just, like, if you're worried about, like, Casey getting money from this, yeah, she got a lump sum from production, probably, and then Peacock acquired it. I don't think this was done for Peacock. But, like, there's no season two of this coming out. It's a one-and-done type payment. Peacock has all sorts of, like, okay, so, like, now, now we're supposed to not watch like nbc programming period like that's what peacock is like I, i'm just like i'm confused when people are saying you're giving money to casey anthony and what right. they think like streaming doesn't even have residuals but documentaries definitely don't have residuals absolutely not i'm like we we fund terrible people all the time with our eyeballs like if you think that casey anthony is any exception to that like it's kind of wild because like there are once again, there are terrible people who get money to do things all the time. I don't think it, she's particularly unique. I thought it was kind of wild, honestly, like that she had agreed to do it. But I, I think that she came out well from the from the thing. And and it occurred to me because I had never seen her really. I'd never really seen her speak for any prolonged period of time. Like I didn't really have an impression of her as a person, as a character, which I also think like adds to some of the like mythology around her, because like, if you don't have a a voice and a discourse, like the audience will fill in the gaps and project whatever they want to on it. But I I found it to be like very, very surprising. I found her to be very surprising. I found her to be actually very smart. Yeah. Which, which, which totally surprised me because again, like the way that she was painted in the media was as this like t- like trash bag hoe party girl and, and a dumb bad liar yeah like a dumb dumb like bad mom top mom like bad liar trashy fucking like you know a trashy personality and i found her to be like really switched on which actually confused me more honestly at the beginning i was kind of like wow okay i wasn't expecting that like i was expecting to I actually I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. And I found her to be incredibly 
emotionally literate as well. Yeah. Which was also quite kind of surprising, but it was clear that she had done a huge amount of therapy and a huge amount of self-reflection and had the she had the vocabulary to be able to articulate herself I thought extraordinarily well given that this was her first on-camera interview and I don't think that speaks to her as a master manipulator I think that's like she's clearly been doing a lot of work she's grown it's been 14 years like Mm -hmm. You know, Kaylee would be, Kaylee would have her driver's license. She'd probably be going to junior prom this year. Like, there's a lot of ways to look at it. But, like, yes, of course, like, of course, like, and by the way, the only real family it seems she's ever had in her life is her defense team. And, like, what a fucking team as well. Like, what an extraordinary band of people, I think. Because I think the thing that struck me was that, of course, like, when she was acquitted, you know, she's acquitted. But recognizing that the world had not acquitted her and that she was very much in danger and they were very much in danger. And then going out of their way to protect their own families. It's it's like one of those things. It's like, oh, we had like death threats against our children. It's like, oh, by the people who were mad about the dead child, they right. were threatening another child. Like the, the cognitive dissonance of it all is so bizarre to me. Of course. Yeah, it's very, I saw someone say like, Please, like, because she's been living with this guy, Pat McKenna, who was a PI that worked for, uh, I believe, both teams at first and then just moved straight to the defense. But someone was like, look at that old man must be a pervert. Like, look at him in his khaki shorts and she's wearing yoga pants. And it's like, babe, like, this is a married man who has, like, kids and grandkids and, like, has given her a job and like she's done a good, you know, it seems like she's a good little worker, honestly. Mm-hmm. It seems like she's mm-hmm. good at what she's, you know, what she's doing. And like, I don't know. It's like, it's uh, to me, it's not weird that like 14 years after this horrific experience and the loss of your daughter that you might be out at a concert dancing. To me, that's not weird. Like this woman was basically untraceable for most most of a decade. And then people start to see her come out. I believe Casey might be married. Hmm. You know, I think that she's married now. And, you know, like, I just feel like, you know, so many, sh- like, you know, I-, I don't, I'm not saying I think she's innocent. Because I think that, like, she definitely, there was a few turns that she took that, like, she could have made a different decision. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely believe that. You know, when I was 22 years old, I still did everything my mom told me. Mm-hmm. So, and we, I mean, we weren't even like all that, like the way things were at their house. So, like, you know, I just look at that and I'm like, I don't know. I don't think she's 100% innocent, but I think George Anthony will probably never hear from him again. If we do, it won't be in the form of a lawsuit because he has way too much to lose. Yeah, it's the it's the Prince Andrew like conundrum, which is that like when he did that panorama interview, he had to be really, really careful about how he talked about Virginia Guffrey because any he couldn't say he couldn't out and out say that she was lying because then she could do him for defamation and then it would open up the can of worms to investigate that claim. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with George as like. If the lady protests too much, then unfortunately, then we kind of have to start really digging through the shit. (laughs) Yeah. Why did he apologize on Dr. Oz to the family and say he needs forgiveness from everyone? 
Why did he mm-hmm. say that? Why, like... Didn't he have a suicide attempt as well? Yep. And, like, why? But, by the way, when he was trying to commit suicide, which I'm just going to throw this out there, who am I to judge how someone tries to kill themselves? But do you call every single person you know, including your daughter's defense lawyer, and let them know that you're committing suicide? <laughs> wouldn't be top of the list for me no and like you know like people are arguing you know like well like kaylee was so little like the reason why he talked about loving this the smell of her sweet sweat when she came inside or like the fact that you know she that like a, get, getting a, a like a hug from a child is the most euphoric thing you'll ever feel like the way that he was talking about their special time and like seeing Casey very triggered by that you look at all that and you're like you know what though she was two almost three years old at that point especially if you and I know if you're an only child raised amongst adults you have a personality you have like probably pretty advanced language you Mm -hmm. have a laugh you have favorite things that you like None of that was brought up. Everything he said about her at the funeral was physical. Yeah, it was all very much about the way that she looked, the way that she smelled, and the way that he touched her. Yeah. And it was really uncomfortable to watch. And there's a scene in the dock, for those of you who haven't seen it, where Casey watches that memorial service for the first time. A lot of the discourse as well that I've seen is like, oh, this was the first time she was watching it and like, oh, that's not how a mother behaves and that's not how somebody grieves and that's not how this and that's not how that. And like the Amber Heard trial has really shown me just just how many behavioral experts there are in the world. (laughs) I didn't know it was so prevalent. (laughs) If I missed my daughter's funeral because I was sitting in jail for Mm -hmm. something that I didn't do, I would never never fucking watch that shit. And like also Casey had asked, you know, knowing how big the story was getting, especially had asked her parents to honor her wishes for Kaylee and do like a small intimate service. And like, I'm telling you, I've seen presidential funerals that had less pomp and circumstance than that Mm. funeral. Like her parents were sitting in the front row. Casey was never fucking mentioned during her daughter's funeral. Like Mm -hmm. it was really fucking weird. I wouldn't watch that. That's not something like, you know, I'm ashamed to say it, but like my dog's ashes are still in the cardboard box that they came in because like I don't I don't need to see them to know. And I don't want to open that up. I don't want to like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know. I just to me, I think. Yeah. And I'll, I'll yeah. Again, the comparisons to Amber Heard are killing me, too, because it's like, how can you like conflate like a someone you believe is a like murder murdered their own child to someone who you think like exaggerated flames of of abuse in a op-ed like on what planet are those the same in the same category Mm -hmm. i don't know very bizarre very very bizarre well do you think the anthony's still have the kaylee anthony memorial awareness boat No, they're broke. Yeah, it's very weird that they started a foundation to look for other kids before they found Kaylee's body and used it to buy a boat to look for kids that were not missing in a lake. (laughs) And conveniently, you could fish off it as well. I mean. Yeah. And so I want to point out, so if you don't have Peacock or you're really stringently against 
watching this documentary. I understand that as well. A lot of people don't have three hours. They can't watch TV for three hours, but you might have about 15 hours to read. And there is a very comprehensive (laughs) post that was posted on Reddit about seven years ago where someone took it upon themselves to revisit the Casey Anthony case. It's called Revisiting Casey Anthony, Proof George is Lying. And it's probably one of the best written Reddit posts I've ever seen. Just in that this person really took time to break things out into various chapters and really thoroughly address everything. And it's, it's, I mean, if I had to guess how this documentary got made, it's because the person who made this documentary saw this Reddit thread. Interesting. Because, like, I don't know how someone would, you know, I mean, it's not like Lorena Bobbitt or, like, Monica Lewinsky or one of these cases that the public really, like, sort of wanted to dig back into. This mm-hmm. was, like, something that I think a lot of people were really set on. And it was a risk to take this on. So, yeah. anyway, you guys, do you have any final thoughts on this? No, just that I, I think it, it's a really very fascinating watch. And I'm really glad that I watched it. I don't know where I... I, like, I, I don't have, like, fully formed thoughts, and I don't think we'll ever have, I don't think, like, truthfully, I don't, we'll ever have real answers and real truth, which is, is frustrating, but I do believe that, that George is, is, is a lot more of a part in this than I think I was ever led to believe in some of the, in some of the more mainstream coverage. That sounds conspiratorial, but it isn't. <laughs> it's just, it's, it, it was very eye-opening, so... I understand that this is like a deep-rooted issue for a lot of people, but I think part of ongoing work of of living in society is revisiting things that you have very deeply held beliefs on and and maybe exploring that a little bit. Yeah, and you never know. Like, all these people, I would never do that. You never know. Okay, so you've been put in this exact scenario. Tell me more about that. Like, cause yeah. you, you think you never know what you're going to do until you're in that situation. And people are surprised all the time by their reactions. So mm-hmm. just to say that, all right, you guys, thank you for listening to Trend Lightly. We appreciate you a lot. Kind of a heavy week over here. Rip noodles. Oh, it really was a heavy week. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, every time now, it's like, we have to talk about white supremacy. I know. Like, can we can we live? <laughs> Give us a break. I yeah. Mean, like, I as a white person, I probably shouldn't complain about it. So, <laughs> but yeah, you guys, let, let's talk soon. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Girls, I don't know what you want to be, but I ain't never seen a shawty that look like a double G. Every girl in here 10, but it ain't no Tennessee. And you might just get some money, but it ain't no guarantee. Double G's on the left, double G's on the right. And you know I stay in Texas, I don't really like to fight. Like we in 2013, shawty do it for the fun. Shawty moving real well, I might have to wind it down. Threw the money to the center, now watch it hit the floor. Now rack it up, huh? rack, rack, rack it up, king, bag it up, huh? back, back, bag. Stack it up, stack, stack, stack it up. She said, Where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas. And if I drop a pin, best believe that she on the Thought way. Thought was important, but I moved her right about the way. Delta cheese tonight. Told her, baby, I got cheese tonight. Get a scholarship. I ain't smoking on no TAC, low tolerance. All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow. Like the tell her. Shout out Turbo Tax, Tax Refund. What's another? Like the quarterback at recess. No rush. And you gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission. No rush. This ain't UT. Why your shirt orange like a pumpkin? Mama, call me. As we have colleges, I said, bless.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.